What is up, Washington football team fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. This is episode 34, guys. So before we go ahead and get started, I'm going to give you a timestamp as I do before every episode. Today is Tuesday, November 2nd. Today is Tuesday, November 2nd. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. Please, let's get these subscribers up, guys. That will be really appreciated. So if you're watching this on YouTube, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. But hey, guys. Welcome back to the Bleeding BNG Podcast. Um, like I told you, it's Tuesday, November 2nd. Two days ago, the Washington football team lost an ugly stinker of a game on a Halloween um, to the Denver Broncos where they lost 10-17. to And like I said, that was a stinker of a game. The offensive performances by both teams was nothing nothing short of spooky to just keep on with the Halloween references. And it was it was ugly. It was It was very ugly. It was very ugly. So the title of today's episode, guys, is Checked Out, Checked Out. Because I'm mentally checked out for this team. I'm mentally checked out for this team. And it just be quite transparent with you guys. I had full capabilities of potting yesterday. But I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the motivation to pot for these dudes. I didn't have the motivation to pot for these dudes at all. At all. At all. And I honestly don't have the motivation to pot for them right now. But I'm going to do it for my Bleeding BNG fans. Because, you know, without you, we're nothing over here at Bleeding BNG. So I got to keep my fans involved. I got to keep my fans engaged. And, you know, I want to acknowledge my fans. You know, our viewership has been up since the season started. And I appreciate it because I know this team is, is making it hard for you to, to stay around and stay in touch with things like that. Because we suck. As I've told you guys before, we suck. So like I told you, the title of this episode is Checked Out. Because not only am I checked out, but I think that, you know, the Washington football team organization as a whole is checked out. So as I told you, today is Tuesday, November 2nd, and we're recording this around 7.30 p.m. So about three hours ago, the actual trade deadline ended, and we didn't do anything. And I want to touch on that um, because it just seems like we're just giving up on the season. And this season is over. I'm going to touch on that. Um, but first, let's just recap the game as we always do. This isn't going to be a long pod at all. I know I say that a couple times before. And we end up having 25 plus minute pods. This isn't one of those guys. I, like I told you, I'm through with these dudes. I'm through with these dudes. Until they show me that they're, they're fully invested into what they do as far as football players and performing on the football field. I'm going to take some time in being fully invested in this team. So, no, no more 40-minute pause, not for the time being at least, until I see some improvement and a sense of urgency in this organization. So, just to recap the game, to start with the offense, Taylor Heineke is not the one. Taylor Heineke is not the one. I've sat here and listened to you guys, uh, listen to my episodes and come back and come back. Everything that I've said week in and week out, well, it's week nine. And if you don't see that number four is not the one, then I don't know what to tell you. His stat line read is two hundred for uh, he threw for two hundred and seventy yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions with a below with a below sixty sixty percent completion rating. That's not good. That's not good as well at all. And he's doing it against a Denver Broncos defense that was allowing um, their opponents for the you know they had just came off of a four game losing streak and they were allowing four over four hundred yards to their offensive opponents in in the course of those games. They were allowing over 400 yards, and then after this game, we've been averaging 11 points for over the course of the last three games. Something's not clicking, and it, and it's still people in the wild. You guys have to stop hiding for these players. You guys have to stop hiding for these players because a lot of times it's Jags. If you guys don't know what it is, Jag means just a guy. It's fringe roster players, and it just really 
it's, it's, it's really baffling me because if you're an honest fan of the Washington football team and things like that, you wouldn't you wouldn't hold these Jags higher than the team itself. You know, I'm getting criticism over some um, some of the players throughout, and, and it's never personal with me. I'm just giving criticism over their play and things like that. And I have people in the Washington football team, oh, oh, you, you hate this guy. No, no, we need to stop hiding for the players, and I'm not in the business of standing for any other man. Like some of you may be, I'm not in it. I'm not in it. So we need to stop having for these players. But going back to Taylor Heineke, he's not the answer. He's not the answer. Yet again, Sunday was another game where guys are running wide open and he's just not seeing them or simply not throwing them the ball. And like I told you before, I think a lot of it has to do with him being short. He's about my height. And that's not me trying to short shame people or anything like that. But you don't need anybody under six feet playing quarterback in the NFL unless they're Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. That's why you only have those two examples of successful quarterbacks, you know, six feet or under in the NFL in recent memory. Recent memory. I don't want anybody going and pulling up stats from the 90s when the game was completely different, the 80s and things like that. I don't want to hear it right now. I don't. Because you're going to try to find anything that validates your opinion that Taylor Heineke is the guy, and he's not. The only number that I need to prove that he's not the guy is two and six. Two and six. One in six if you don't want to consider the Chargers loss because, you know, he didn't start that game. One in six. One in six. That's the only thing I need to, to quantify any anything, any opinion and validate any opinion that I have on Taylor Heineke. He's not the guy. He's not the guy. Good flash in the pan player, you know, mobile backup quarterback type guy, but he's not the answer. He's not the answer. And it's time that we need to make a change. It's time. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't think that Kyle Allen's the answer. But at this point, you can't get any worse quarterback play than we had over the last three weeks. Go look at the fourth and one that you know he threw it to Ricky Seals Jones behind the line of scrimmage. Well, I wasn't crazy about the call because I don't think that you should split half of the field on fourth down, especially to the short side of the field. If Taylor hits Ricky um, Seals Jones immediately, this potential that he gets that first down. But Taylor holds and holds and holds the ball and throws it while he's drifting three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Taylor sure self didn't see uh, Ricky Seals Jones immediately. He didn't. I don't know if he, he couldn't see over the DM or our right tackle, which I believe was Cornelius Lucas, who's about 6'8". But he didn't. And that's why that throw was late. That's why there are throws over the middle that he just can't hit. Because he can't see over our 6'5 guard in Eric Flowers and our 6'5 guard in West Swisher. Like, we're, we suck. We're a bad football team. And that's why I'm mentally checked out. I'm mentally checked out. Antonio Gibson is clearly hurt, clearly hobbled. He had one of his worst games of the year. Eight carries for 34 yards, three receptions for 20 yards. And it's just... It, like I said, it's, it's clearly he's, he's hurt. It's clear. It's evident. So why is he playing? We are about to run him into the ground. We are about to run Antonio Gibson, one of our promising running backs coming off his rookie year, into the ground. And you know why I know that he's hurt? Because you give Jared Patterson 11 carries for 46 yards. While I was impressed with everything that Jared Patterson did, Jared Patterson isn't supposed to be getting those reps if Antonio Gibson is 100% healthy and your guy. But it's evident that he's not. He's running in the lineman's backs. He's plodding his feet. It, 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 it. Why is he playing? Why is he playing? 
I've heard of a multitude of lower leg injuries with Antonio Gibson this season. Why is he playing? This is an organizational issue that I've told you from the jump. The way that this team uses IR, the way that this roster is constructed, this is a this is this is this is a, a, a this is a trash show. Like I told you guys last episode, I'm trying to watch my language. We do want to monetize from these videos on YouTube at some point, so I'm trying to watch my language. But this is a trash show. I don't know if your hope was to get Antonio Gibson to the bye and, you know, hopefully these two weeks of rest can rest. We should have been doing that. We should have been doing it. You did it with Curtis Samuel. Man's played what? Man's played a total of what? Five days in about six months and he's still not on IR? And if you can't tell that Antonio Gibson is, is hurt, something is wrong with you as a coaching staff. And I'm talking to the coaching staff. There was a play on Sunday where it was just him and a defender in the open field. And he just let the guy tackle him. Like he's not 6'2", 230 pounds and running 4'3". That's, that's healthy Antonio Gibson though. I tweeted that after that. Antonio Gibson had left. If you guys don't know, he came out of college from the University of Memphis. I tweeted that it seems that Antonio Gibson has left his elusiveness and his agility and his explosion in Memphis. But you know why? Because he's clearly not healthy. So why is he playing? Running backs isn't one of those. those like, first of all, running backs are one of those positions that you just keep collecting and totaling hits until the wheels fall off. And second of all, stress fracture injuries are the ones where you just keep pounding and pounding impact and wearing tear on it. Like, what is going on? Like, what, what, what is going on? J.D. McKissick had a decent game. When he, he was our leading receiver. He had eight receptions for 83 yards. Also had 13 carries for 18 yards, and he was clearly our best back on, on the field Sunday. Clearly. Clearly. And I know you can't give him the full last share of carries because, you know, his dimensions aren't there. He doesn't have the prototypical running back size and things like that. But I told you guys before, we need to get him the ball. One of the main staples in our two wins is J.D. McKissick being one of the most offense, explosive offensive players on our side of the ball. And for the Chris Thompson hive that was at my net for one of our most viral tweets ever, when I said that J.D. McKissick is better than Chris Thompson ever was, or what he was what we thought Chris Thompson should have been for the Washington football team, I don't hear you guys now. I don't. I don't. J.D. McKissick brings his lunch pail to work every day, and when he has plays and opportunities called for him, he's more productive than Chris Thompson was. It's not a debate at this point. And he's more consistent, and he's more available. Terry McLaurin got clapped. Terry McLaurin got clapped. He had three receptions for 23 yards. And he was one of those guys that was running open on a couple of plays where Terry just didn't hit him or didn't see him. As I told you before, since the Army Brown and Curtis Samuels injury, it's like Terry and the Pips. Well, yesterday on Sunday, Terry was one of the Pips as well. Don't get me wrong, I did think that Denver had a great game plan for him. You know, they were bracketing and doubling him all, all most of the game. But there were reps that he lost to Patrick Sertan Jr. Don't 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 be fooled by that. Don't look at Terry McLaurin through your rose tinted lenses of the Washington football team fan. I love Terry McLaurin too. I think he's a top ten receiver in the NFL. But if that statement is true, you can't be losing as many reps to Patrick Sertan Jr. as you did. 
And like I said, Terry, I know you were bracketed. Justin Simmons played over top Kareem Jackson. They used him on each side. They were bracketing you in a slot, something that most NFL teams don't really do. But you still, there's still times where Terry's catching with his body, where the hand, the hand catches the right play to catch it away from not only you, but the defender as well. And like I said, if you're a top 10 receiver, you're not losing that many reps to Patrick Sertan Jr. I don't care how good he is. He's a rookie. He's not prime Deion Sanders. So, like, like, I'm just checked out of everything. Because the things that were going on well early in the season, like Taylor Heineke, like Terry McLaurin, they're, 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 they're just not, not showing up anymore as well. And I don't want this to be a Terry McLaurin bash party because, I, like I said, I still think you're a top 10 receiver. But that performance Sunday, you, you were included, my guy. You were included. The offensive line is falling apart. The offensive line is falling apart. I think at this point, we had, what, we, we what, in the fourth quarter of the game yesterday, uh, on Sunday, four of our five starting offensive linemen were not available to us. We lost Chase Rulier for, for the year, which is one of our best players, not only on the on the offense, but on the team. One of, one of our best linemen. Like this season is this season this season is this season is crap. This season is shot. This season is up in smoke. And you know, as a Washington football team fan, as I've gotten older, you know, you always have to move the goalposts. You gotta move the goalposts to find some type of success. Because I told you guys two episodes ago, we're in an abusive relationship. So we have to convince ourselves that we're progressing year in and year out. So, you know, before, you know, when I was real young as a kid, you know, innocent and things like that, I was upset when we didn't make the playoffs. I was I was angry. I was angry. You know, I'm 25, about to be 26 this month. But over the course of the last six, seven years that I've grown up and mature, you know, I just I just hope to have meaningful football after Thanksgiving. You know, the seasons where the games don't matter by Thanksgiving, those are like the, the worst seasons that you can ever go through. And we've had plenty of those as a Washington football team fan. Well, guess what? This is another one. This is another one. Because this season is over. At 2-6 and six going into your week 9 bye week, this season is over. This season is over. Not just because you're 2-6, and six, but because your team is falling apart as well. Like I said, it's Terry in the pitch because Curtis Samuel, De'Ami Brown, it seems like every receiver we have heard, Logan Thomas, 80% of our offensive line was out by the fourth quarter of last week's game. And isn't it quite a coincidence that all these injuries are happening once the DEA comes to FedEx, Ashburn Park, and, and takes our head athletic trainer in the midst of a raid? Isn't that a crazy coincidence? Only with the Washington football team. Only with the Washington football team. Only with the Washington football team, guys. I can't make this up. I cannot make this up. Sadiq Charles, you, 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 were getting, you were getting whooped. You were getting whooped. Maybe if you were off Instagram shooting all these rap videos and in the studio and things like that and actually working on your game, you wouldn't have one of the worst performances I've seen from a Washington offensive lineman in a while. Because the offensive line, contrary to belief, has been pretty good this season. Not on Sunday. That's it for the offense. Like I said, we're not spending too much time on these guys today. The defense, Chase Young, why you didn't play back? Got I'm I, I'm losing it for you. I'm losing it for you. I'm losing it for you. 
And I don't care who's who's listening to the Washington football team community. Because you guys seem like you guys seem to hide for Chase Young as well. And it's weird. And it's weird. I made a tweet directly after the game because 12 minutes after the game finished, Chase Young posted, you know, the fumble, the forced fumble that he had with about 17 seconds left in the game. But this is also your number two pick that was deemed the generational talent that is on pace for a 3.2 sack season that missed OTAs and minicamps to shoot eBay commercials that told, what what, what, what was after the Bills game? They said that everybody needs to stop BSing. Everybody needs to stop BSing. But this is a guy that thinks that that one play is good enough. And like I said, I'm, I'm not that get off my, I'm not old at all. I'm not old at all. I'm not that get off my line type guy. But there's just too many inklings of me, me, me that I'm seeing with Chase Young where I am concerned. I am concerned. And all you people in the Washington football team community that replied to your tweet, kiss my butt. You lucky I don't want to, I'm not saying what I want to say. We keeping the PG-13 rated for YouTube. Kiss my butt. Because guess what? Personally, in real life, I guarantee you I know Chase Young better and more then all of you comment and reply, oh, just, just don't follow him. Why are you so worried about it? Why are you so worried about it? Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. And a lot of y'all are realizing that I'm not the guy to be playing those Twitter games with. I'm not. Cut it with the sassiness. You look weird. 40 and 50 years old standing for these players. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. And when we talk ball with you, because, you know, we can talk ball better than most of you guys, all of you guys. I'm tired of being humble. A lot of you fans can't talk ball with us over at the Bleeding BNG podcast. Some of you guys can't. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But they know who I'm talking to, the ones that can't, because I let them know on Twitter. I let them know on Instagram. But I'm checked out, and I'm checked out, and I don't have time to be debating with the members of this community over the team that's trash, that doesn't care about the team as much as I'm supposed to care about them. Players on the team don't care, don't care about the team as much as I'm supposed to care about them. I'm over it. I'm over it. Some of the bright sides on the defense, the defense did play better for the second week in a row, but they still aren't playing like the top five dominant defense that we expected them to, to, to be going into the season. That's why I'm like, us in the Washington, we got to stop moving the goalposts. We got to remember what it was. There were personalities on ESPN that said we were potentially competing for a Super Bowl because of our defense and, and, and what our defense was going to do this season. So no, please forgive me if I'm if I'm not hyping up a force fumble by Chase Young with 17 seconds left in the game. Please forgive me if I'm not acting sights because we had to wait till week seven and week eight for two decent defensive performances that we still lost in. Yes, I'm a fan at the end of the day, but I'm objective and I'm not biased. I told you guys before all that bleeding BNG, we're gonna give you the realest, raw. Outlook, analyst, insight, and everything you're looking for on the Washington football team. So sometimes you can't be nice. When, you, when you're being honest all the time, you can't be nice all the time. 
Some of the bright spots John, uh, from the game on Sunday, Jonathan Allen's a beast. Jonathan Allen's the beast. And honestly, behind Aaron Donald, I think he's the second best defensive tackle in the NFL right now. I think he leads all defensive tackles in sacks right now. And he's the best player on this team. He's the best player on this team with Terry McLaurin a close second. But I don't think Terry McLaurin's top five in his position group like Jonathan Allen is. If Jonathan Allen was supposed to highlight 12 minutes after the football game, I wouldn't have anything to say because he's earned it. Not this number two generational talent that we've been clamoring over for the last two years. That has one and a half sacks in eight games. But people act like I'm the problem because it's like I'm expecting more out of this generational type talent. I just think that we're all just checking out. I just think that we're all just checking out. We didn't expect the season to go like this, so we're looking for things to be mad at, which is perfectly fine. You could try it with me, but I promise you it won't end well. The defensive line, while they played better, they're not the dominant. They're not, you can't see that, Joe, these are the top five, first round, four first round picks that we invested in. You don't see that play in and play out. You don't. You don't. I'm honestly upset that we didn't look to trade either Deron Payne or Tim Settle during this trade deadline because you're not going to be able to keep and pay all four of these guys because they do have that first-round pedigree no matter how bad they're playing right now. Like, the outlook is bad. The outlook is bad. And I'm finding, like, now I find myself actively rooting for Washington to lose games because guess what? We're not going to win any anything of significance until we get a franchise quarterback. So Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, you know, Carson Strong, Kenny Pickett, my personal favorite, come on down because I'm moving for us to tank. We got nine more weeks of this. I'm moving for nine losses because the long-term prospects, we're not winning anything until we get a franchise quarterback. Not saying that those guys are guaranteed, but they're better than everything that we have right now. Just like the 2020 draft class, they're not guarantees. But I'll take the prospects and everything that I've seen from them this season than what I saw from your 19th pick linebacker that you drafted that wasn't supposed to be a project but turns out to be a project that wasn't getting a lot of snaps. Now it's getting a lot of snaps, but it's still not playing great. Like, no, I'll, I'll take I'll take my bruises with a franchise quarterback, a potential franchise quarterback, than a, a franchise a, a, a middle and middle linebacker any day, any day. This is an organizational issue. Landon Collins has proven to be an impact player, playing closer to the line of scrimmage with eight tackles and a sack. Why is it taking him seven to eight weeks to play closer to the line of scrimmage? We've been calling for that since training camp in week one. But then you want to, you want to, want to get shrewd comments from Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rey. I'm over these dudes as well. I'm over these dudes as well. And I love Coach Rivera for the type of man that he is. But, bro, you're either going to be a head coach or a general manager. Pick one. Pick one. Because some of these excuses that you're spewing in these press conferences are your fault. Why didn't we actively pursue a quarterback in the offseason other than Matt Stafford? Why did we draft Jamin Davis? Why did we bring in Bobby McCain? Speaking of Bobby McCain, bro, you suck. You suck. And I'm pretty sure everybody listening knows exactly what I'm talking about.
This man had the worst dropped interception that I've seen in the NFL probably ever. He caught the ball and it almost looked like he dropped it. it the, the drop was so bad it looked like he threw it back down. But this is the same guy that wants to bash the media for keeping it real about the observation of the play. Did the media make you drop that one, Bobby? Did the media make you drop that interception, Bobby? You doing all the next movements and all that. You like, like, like you want to fight the media? You should have been fighting that. You look like you was fighting that ball, like you was ready to fight the media the way you couldn't catch it. Stone hands. Oh, I know it was Halloween on Sunday. He must have started the game was eating some butterfingers. Bobby McCain must have started eating the butterfingers. We found out Bobby McCain's favorite candy bar guy. He had a butterfinger. He had a couple butterfingers before the game. Because that's the only excuse that I can make for the bad dropped interception. Because that was pitiful. That was pitiful. We have no playmakers on the back end. William Jackson the third didn't play in his second straight game. Kendall Fuller had a better game, but he still came wrong with guys. I love I love Cam Curl getting more snaps, and I don't think that it's a coincidence once he started getting an increase in snaps, the defense has had better performances than in the last two weeks, playing his natural position of strong safety. He's the best safety on this roster by far. So why is he just sitting on the bench earlier in the season? This is an organizational issue. Like, no. I, I'm, 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 uh, no. Benjamin St. Juice got to start for William Jackson again. And while he still is, he, he's in the right spot for the most times. He has some of the worst ball skills that I've seen in a while. And I think that's a reason why he slipped to the third round of the draft. Because I was wondering, like, a guy with his fluidity score, you know, his short shuttle score, he had the best short shuttle time in the draft, uh, almost 6-4 corner. Like, why did he last to the third round? Brady had zero interceptions, and we see why. He gets in a frantic panic attack when the ball is in the air. And one of our biggest, biggest, biggest flaws on this roster is we have no playmakers on the back end. None. None. Despite how much I love Cam Curl, he hasn't really shown the playmaking ability that he showed his first year. And if you're going to have bad defenses, you at least need a couple playmakers with exceptional ball skills that's going to make plays on the ball. That's going to get you the ball back. Maybe in the red zone and things like that. Speaking of the red zone and speaking of this offense, why are we so bad in the red zone? I'm going to tell you why. This is when we get into our football inside bag. Guys, we are so bad. I think I think it was a stat today, and I don't know if it was hyperbole, exaggeration, but we're averaging like two points per red zone drive for like the last three weeks or things like that. It's like two, three points or something like that. That is pitiful, but I'm going to tell you why. Because the windows get tighter in the red zone. You need more velocity on your throws in the red zone. You got to make quicker decisions in the red zone. And number four, Taylor Heineke ain't capable of doing any of those. Any of them. Any of them. And it's showing week in and week out. But it's still guys in the Washington football team community still thinking that he's the answer at quarterback. What is up with y'all? What is wrong with y'all? What is wrong with you? I just feel like you're trying to be a contrarian at this point. But now, I, I, I don't find myself yelling. And like I told you, I'm checked out. I'm checked out. We done almost reached the 30-minute mark. I told myself I wasn't going to do this. I told myself I wasn't going to do this. I'm going to enjoy my bye week. This is going to be the best Sunday that I've had since, what, September 12th? 
because the Washington football team isn't playing. We'll be pushing out episodes and other content on our social media pages throughout the week. But I'm not doing this. I'm not. I'm not. Like I told you, I can't be invested in this football organization more than the people that make up the organization. That's everybody included. There's no sense of urgency in Coach Rivera's press conference comments. There's no sense of urgency in the front office. No moves were made during the trade deadline. It's like they've given up. So guess what? I'm thinking about giving up too. So if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, like I said at the beginning of it, like, comment, and subscribe on my YouTube. We're available on all podcast platforms. But on Spotify and especially Apple um, Podcasts, Please rate, please leave a review so that we're, you know, one of the first things that, that is pushed up. Let's finesse these algorithms. So we're one of the first things that's popped up when you're looking for anything Washington football team content related. If you're following us on Twitter, if you're following us on Instagram, if you're not following us on Twitter or Instagram, please tap into those social media pages as well. We give you daily updates. We give you discussion posts. We give you some recaps and and coaches comments and breakdowns and analysis that you may not get on the podcast but we're pushing out something Washington football team related every day daily every day every week 24 7 365 because we're we're still we're still we're trying our best this football team is making it hard but we're trying our best to be your number one source um, for everything Washington football team so if you don't follow those um, social media pages our Instagram is at bleeding BNG that's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G B-N-G our Twitter is at bleeding BNG spelling is a tad bit different that one is at B-L-E-E-D-I-N B-N-G so it's only one G in our Twitter handle and like I said guys just please keep it please keep being tapped into the bleeding BNG podcast I know this has been a long rough season but we're going to get you through it thank you for checking in to episode 34 of the bleeding BNG podcast I'll tap in with you for episode 35 peace